Welcome to Weaver's Beyond the Numbers Real Estate Ugly Christmas Sweater Podcast. I'm Rob Nowak, real estate industry tax partner with Weaver. And that good looking guy next to me, as always, is Howard Altshuler, Weaver's partner in charge of real estate services. For the first time in a long time, we have no guest, just as we say the love of real estate that binds the two of us together. I'm wearing an ugly Christmas sweater. Howard is wearing a look of shock. Reminder to all those heading out on your holiday travels, the Real Estate Weaver podcast makes excellent listening on those long car rides and in airports. This podcast is intended for informational and obviously entertainment purposes only. Nothing said here constitutes professional advice. If you have a question, call Weaver for help. You can go to weaver.com to find all of our content, white papers, live casts, and more. That's weaver.com. Howard, we rifled through the introduction because we have a lot to pack in in the next seven to 10 minutes. We want to talk about the Build Back Better plan, what we might see as real estate predictions in 2022, and also just uh, talk about the state of the industry. So I'm, I'm going to exercise uh, introduction privilege. Let's start with a little Build Back Better. Okay. So I guess instead of this being, or in addition to this being the ugly Christmas sweater edition, which by the way, I don't own any ugly Christmas sweaters, so that's why I'm wearing my Christmas flannel. Um we can also call this the uh, swollen head. I was right edition. So why don't we talk about what's happening with BBB and um, you know what happened that you called a long time ago? So one of the things that has been on the minds of a lot of our clients, certainly on the minds of the industry, and we've done a lot of speaking and put out a lot of thought leadership about is how our perspective changes in tax law going to impact the real estate industry. And we had heard everything from increases in capital gain tax. Um, adjustments to the deferred exchange or like-kind exchange regime in the code, raises in ordinary tax rates, and and on and on and on. And what we have talked about on this podcast over and over again, and I think somebody, I don't remember who, somebody wrote an article on LinkedIn. We know who. Okay, that was me, (laughs) who said and predicted, you know, the most powerful person in this entire equation was going to be Joe Manchin. I've said it many times, he's a very... um, very conservative Democrat in a very Republican state. And that's just the state. It's not a political statement. That's just the state of affairs in West Virginia. And when considering the Build Back Better legislation, he came out just several days ago nationally on national TV and said, I I can't support the legislation, effectively rendering Build Back Better dead. And contained in Build Back Better were several changes to tax law, among which was a tax on high income earners, uh, effectively a book tax or call it an alternative minimum tax on corporations, as well as some other miscellaneous changes in the code. That all is is off the table, presumably, um, to be passed before the end of 2021. Congress is in you know holiday recess, and now the House is set to reinitiate a revised Build Back Better agenda sometime in 2022. You know, unknown how some of that might impact 21, but it's unlikely that uh, tax laws it relates to 21 is going to be affected at this point. So we're looking more at prospective changes in the law, if anything. So my capital gains are safe then? I think your capital gains are safe. Um, and Although the way the market's been, some of them are not gains anymore, but what the heck? <laughs> yeah, and I think what one of the things we've talked about is a run out the clock strategy yeah. that the folks mm-hmm. on the right are trying to pursue against the left, meaning push any decision on tax legislation towards uh, more of a midterm election type of a decision. And I've said many times, no one wants to stand on a debate stage across from their opponent saying, you know, with a finger pointing at them saying that person raised taxes, period. 
doesn't matter on who. It's just an, un, you know, it's an unpopular stance and an unpopular soundbite. And I think that that strategy has really played itself out as we've talked through. Great. And I think that's going to be even a longer term, nothing happening because, you know, history usually shows that the party in power after the presidential election usually loses ground in the midterms. The Democrats don't have much ground to lose, which means if you have Republican majority in either house or the Senate, then probably nothing will happen over the next session either. So have Maybe. I turned you into a prognosticator? I think you just made a prediction. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I, I just don't think you're going to see any traction on tax changes until, you know, after the next presidential election. I mean, certainly if there are, we'll be ready to respond. We'll, we'll you know, we'll have a podcast, a webcast and, you know, more print thought leadership. Um, I'm just putting the odds, you know, less than 50 percent, as you just said, that, that we're going to see any significant changes in legislation. Or in your world, less than more likely than not. Something around there. Yeah, we can talk about the definitions of probability all day long. Let's talk about market predictions, though. What are we thinking? What are we hearing uh, are just predictions for the broader real estate market? Yeah. So, you know, I think that you're going to see a lot more of the same. Um, Just the general trends that are occurring right now don't seem to be changing or reversing or anything like that. With Omicron, we're having to deal with that. But again, I'm not seeing that that's going to cause any really big changes. I think to a comment you've made before, people are kind of coveted out. And so I think the areas that have been more strict will probably continue to be more strict. The areas that have been pretty, you know, do what you think is the right thing to do will continue to be on that. So I just don't see very many overall fundamental changes. One thing, there's two things that I'm that I'm seeing that I think is going, or I think we're going to see that's going to be maybe a little bit um, off the beaten path. Um, One of them is going to be office. Uh, If you recall, Rob, since the very beginning, I always said don't count out office and that the work from home is not everything that it was cracked up to be at the beginning, which I think we're all finding that to be the case. And I think there's still going to be demand for office continuing um, just because of the fact that the business formation, the economy continuing to grow is going to to, um, require that. And so I think in 22 and moving forward, I think that's going to start to manifest itself. And we're going to start to see um, more of a demand for space, for new space. Um, maybe not to the extent that we're going to see a lot of construction, um, but I think we're going to see um, absorption rates and occupancies um, increasing. I think the other thing that's going to happen this year is I think there's going to be an aggressive push uh, from landlords in terms of um, lease rates especially with your dealing with the higher end um, class A, class AA properties that a lot of those entities bought from a, um, a core real estate value play, looking for more of a, a yield and a return. Because I think a lot of those were purchased with you know sub five cap rates. And I think if we see that the Fed is going to increase interest rates um, a couple, three times during 22, I can't not see cap rates rising, maybe not the full amount that the interest rates do, but still rising, which is going to put a squeeze on some of those um, investors. And in order to maintain their yields, um, at least their current yields, uh, they're going to need to increase the rental rates um, to make up for um, the increase in cap rates. So I think that's something that tenants should be looking toward um, and being able to react and negotiate with landlords about that. Do you think multifamily remains strong? It's been a fairly dominant asset class. I don't see how it can't. I, I still go back to the last demographer speech that I heard with there being a deficit of 25 million housing units in the United States. 
um, you can't build houses that fast. And so many markets are being unaffordable where you can't do much other than multifamily. Um, in fact, I just read that I think New York State just pretty much um, outlawed zoning properties for single family to a great extent. California has done the same. Obviously, those are, are very blue states, but I think that's a trend that's going to probably continue, especially states not like Texas where there's, you know, miles and miles and miles of nothing. You know, the the other uh, asset class that just seems like it continues to gain traction, I don't think it's going anywhere, is single family rental. So you talk about multifamily rental, but single family rental is, you know, sort of vital in the, the chain of housing, where you have somebody who's coming out of a traditional multifamily situation, apartment building, let's say, or, you know, low rise, you know, horizontal type attached structure, wants the feel of living in a neighborhood, but isn't either doesn't want to, or is not ready to tackle single family home owner, home ownership and that single family rental space continues I th is going to continue I think to be strong. I agree, but keep in mind single family rental has always been big. It's just always been very fractured and not institutional, so you never heard much about it. I think where you're going to see the biggest amount of growth on the single family rental is going to be the build to rent communities, um, where the home builders are working with the investors and building you know a 500 unit community that's all going to be sold to the investor to be a you know, a single family rental community. Um, but a lot of the older product that's, you know, it's always, a lot of it's always been rental housing. It's just that I think we'll continue to see the consolidation in the industry where the mom and pop um, owners are going to be selling to the institutions. And then it'll, it'll appear like it's growing faster than maybe it really is. And that's all the time we have for today. Again, thank you all for listening throughout the last year. You can always find this webcast and more thought leadership at weaver.com. That's weaver.com. Thanks, everybody.